Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and thank you so much for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. If you're looking for me on the net, check out LeahBrendaSmith.com or on Facebook, Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And today, the show is about the grace of humility. The grace of humility. And I'm going to start off with a very brief quote from Confucius that says, Humility is the solid foundation of all the virtues. That's from Confucius to us today in the here and now. You know, there are, there are certainly common pitfalls on the journey of life. And the good news is that they often bring us unexpected opportunities for personal growth and for spiritual development. So that's the good news always. In adversity, there's always great blessings. And certainly losing touch with our sense of humility is one of these pitfalls on the journey. But I've really seen that as we cultivate a balance between the known and the unknown, between what we know and the vast vast, unknown, that it's important that we, that we remain open and we remain teachable, that we don't get locked into or stuck with the things that we know and let that overshadow all that there is that is yet uncharted and yet for us to learn. You know, it's important that we continue to acknowledge the source of life, to acknowledge the source of life the source, to acknowledge creation, and to acknowledge the gifts. Really, there's so many gifts, and that's really what makes the world a bountiful place to live. It's important to acknowledge the source of life for the innate gifts and abilities and talents that each of us have that are so unique to who we are and our individual energy. As I've found without holding this larger perspective, then it's very easy to fall prey to the, the pitfall, really, of hubris. And this is a word that comes from ancient Greek that means extreme pride or arrogance. 
And hubris often indicates that there's been a loss in some way of our contact with reality, or even uh, uh, that we are overestimating our own competence or our own capabilities, and really self-importance. And that would be especially true when, when we're in positions of power. You know, it's a, it's a fine line to walk when you are in a position of power to maintain an authentic approach to power and not have an inauthentic approach. An inauthentic approach would be when you use your position of power to in some way have, even if it is a false sense, of some type of power and control over other people or using other people for your own personal gain. You know, the other ways that a lack of humility commonly expresses itself is through the false notions that people may have about one race or creed or religion or cultural or profession being more important or superior than another one. And at the very base and the foundation of humility is the reverent wisdom that every aspect of life holds equal value and equal importance. And when this is then accompanied by an understanding that hierarchies, hierarchies are man-made structures that are typically used to exert inauthentic power and control over others, often with a false sense of self-importance that's experienced by those at the top. So really the human personality and ego, although they are certainly important aspects of the totality of what makes up who we are as human beings, just like with all things, balance, balance is so essential for all living organisms in order to not only thrive, not only survive, but really to thrive. And to thrive on the journey of really being the best possible version of oneself. Imagine that, the life journey, to constantly be in the cultivation of the best version of who you can be. And in the pursuit of spiritual awareness, it is a common pitfall to think that one's intellectual understanding is, in fact, spiritual truth. Yet often, intellectual understanding in the spiritual realm really consists of constructs that are created in the mind of the student. And Socrates said that the more I learn the more I learn how little I know. And this is really a clear expression of humility. This statement reminds us to be mindful of the endless wisdom that makes up the universe that we are privileged to be part of. Socrates said, the more I learn, the more I learn how little I know. And when one is filled with spiritual pride, then there's a tendency to look at details that are insignificant 
and make them somehow significant. And then really on the flip side, it would be to look at the details that are significant and make them insignificant, to pass them over as something trite or not significant. And when this happens, it's really a clear indication that one has temporarily lost one's sense of how the macrocosm and the microcosm fits together. So it's possible to just temporarily not be mindful, not be aware of the macrocosm and in favor try to serve the microcosm. So the idea of big picture and small detail gets kind of skewed. But fortunately, the organic process of life always brings opportunities to be returned to balance. That's a natural organic progression in life. That law of homeostasis, if you like, always life looking to be returned to balance. And Leo C asserts that the more you know, the less you understand. And just like others, I certainly fall into the pit of spiritual pride from time to time. We all have areas of challenge in our, in our lives. We're, we're challenged. We have these pivot points where we separate ourselves from others where we sometimes knowingly and sometimes unknowingly we stand on our laurels or on our own sense of pride and confidence. And I recognize the area of spirituality as the aspect of my life where I need to pay attention to ensure that I maintain my equilibrium and ensure that I continue to cultivate spiritual humility. And I like this little quote here from J.C. Har that says, The greatest truths are the simplest, and so are the greatest men. So really, a focus on simplicity and modesty as being aspects of humility. And here, just to shed some light on uh, perspective about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Now, knowledge is constructed intellectually in the mind. Whereas wisdom comes from experiences of the heart. You know, we all have them, those aha moments. And sometimes, true enough, extremely wise people have very little intellectual knowledge. Yet, what they do have is great wisdom that they have gleaned from personal life experiences. So there is a difference there between knowledge and wisdom. The knowledge being an intellectual capacity from the mind and wisdom being that which comes from your life experiences, that which is felt at the level of your heart or your spirit or your being. You know, several years ago, I had the privilege of being a primary counselor for an older gentleman who was, he was diagnosed with a mental health um, imbalance. 
Now, he was certainly a compassionate individual, and he loved to tell jokes, and he really loved people and loved being around people. And Yet, he was also... Others were really put off by him because his outward appearance was, well, it was unkempt. You know, his clothes were often dirty, and he sometimes had food in his beard, and he tended to drool, and sometimes he had cigarette holes, burns from cigarettes in his clothes. Yet there was something that I, that I learned, really, from caring for him, and it was through the experience of his experience of being respected and cared for And through that, he began to take more of an interest in his own self-care. And he made some significant changes in his appearance and in his home and in his relationships. You know, often we're raised and educated to think that having an influence on a great number of people is the true measure of one's contribution, one's worth, and one's influence in the world. Yet through my experience with this one gentleman, I was struck with the realization that making a contribution to the life of one human being makes a significant contribution to the world. You know, life is not about or not always about grandiose acts. And random acts of kindness that are shared between friends, family, co-workers, and even strangers is what really maintains the balance of humility on the earth. I love this quote here from Helen Keller. She says, I long to accomplish great and noble tasks, but is my chief duty to accomplish humble tasks as though they were great and noble. The world is moved along, not only by the mighty shoves of its heroes, but also by the aggregate of the tiny pushes of each honest worker. And that's wonderful. Helen Keller's really pointing us in that direction of understanding that the accumulation of all the small deeds, the kind, the acts of kindness, however small, the accumulation of that with all of the people in the world that are doing that, that that really moves us forward as a humanity. You know, some people would suggest that it's hard to be humble while living in a society that encourages competition and individuality and really that whole idea of being starstruck, how we are starstruck or how we really look to people that are in those positions of what others might think of glory or prestige. Yet learning really to be humble is an important principle in most spiritual traditions. And cultivating humility can really help any individual develop, develop more fully and also to develop and enjoy lasting fulfillment in the ways in which they engage with 
the activities of daily living and in their relationships with others. You know, humility, really true humility, can be one of the most expansive and life-enhancing of all the qualities. It's not about, as some would suggest, undervaluing yourself. It's more about valuing other people. And humility is also a sign of openness to life's splendor and the willingness to be inspired and, and uplifted by the goodness in the world. And it's also marked by the ability to respect and appreciate others. Now, one's capacity to be open and to acknowledge and embrace an energy that's greater than oneself is perhaps the deepest expression of humility. Now, on the other hand, an inauthentic expression of humility is indicated when an individual is really pretending to be less than who they really are. True virtue doesn't need to announce itself or draw attention to itself. You know, often, often at a funeral service, people that were close to the deceased individual learn about how they led a life of generosity and kindness that was oftentimes unknown even to their closest relatives. The vast majority of kindness and acts of generosity are done quietly, with no longing for public recognition. That is humility. And it's a magnificent expression of the human spirit. John Woodward said that the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. Well, some people, some people would suggest that humility is more than just a quality, that it's also a way of looking at the world, really a, a, a posture, if you like, in life, where the personality is silent and the voice of the divine can be heard. The voice of divine can be felt and deeply known. And then in this way, humility can be experienced as a divine essence that opens one up to the world. The path of humility and the path of inner peace can, seem, really can be seen as that they really go hand in hand. The less compelled a person is to trying to prove their worth to others, and the more likely it is for them to feel peaceful inside, to feel settled. And practicing humility can make an individual teachable and therefore wiser. As people with humility are better listeners, which can make their friendships more authentic. And to, when one has humility, then one is able to examine their personal traits and their challenges without judgment, without shame, or without blaming themselves. And this can go a really a long way on the journey of 
revealing or uncovering the authentic self and opening your heart and opening your mind to the experiences and expressions of giving and receiving unconditional love and unconditional acceptance of yourself and of other people as well, and even of your life experiences. You know, one of the ways that the Oxford Dictionary defines humility is as a modest or low view of one's own importance. And when we talk about humility as a spiritual principle, we're really talking about developing an honest, accurate, and objective view of our importance in the world. So we might say that through humility, we are developing an understanding of creation's view of who we are as individuals. Because humility is not low self-esteem. It can actually be seen as the opposite. Because when one has humility, then their self-esteem is not attached to their personal traits or their physical appearance, their wealth, the challenges, their past, their assets, their gifts. But instead, their self-esteem is attached to the design of our Creator who created us with a purpose. And in turn, the Creator gives us the resources that we need to fulfill that purpose. So with humility, then it's easy for one to view all beings as equal and all purposes as equal. As someone who practices humility rarely feels insecure or self-conscious. They simply take credit for that which they are responsible for and then give credit for that which they are not. Give the credit where the credit is due. And an individual's self-esteem is stable and then they are secure with who they are. There's no need for competition. And people learn from the opinions of others. Then they're not shaken by the opinions of others. So here I have for you some practical suggestions from Danny Cohn on how to be humble. Be grateful for your assets. So in humility, we recognize that great qualities and assets that we have but we don't boast about them. Instead, we're grateful for the gifts that we've been given. Think about all the things that you like, about yourself and those things that you like about others and things that others like about you. Do you have intelligence, motivation, compassion, or other great qualities? And express gratitude for those qualities. And within that gratitude is the thread of humility. Be grateful for your challenges and your shortcomings. You know, if you struggle with feelings that you are less motivated or less attractive or less intelligent than others, be grateful for the perspective and the learning experience that the shortcomings or the perceived shortcomings may offer you. <laughs> Life is all about growth and change, and every challenge 
that we face builds character and enhances your gifts. So when one expresses gratitude for the challenges they face, then those challenges lose their power over any false perception that you may have of yourself. And then, in turn, they become building blocks for growth and building blocks for your development. And then, naturally, hmm, I really discourage you from comparing yourself with others. You know, human beings are the most diverse and variable of all the creatures on the earth. So, really, comparing one person to another is kind of a futile exercise. The diversity of our uniqueness really allows us to learn and to grow from one another. You know, you were created like no one else in the universe. And you were created with a purpose that is solely unique to you. So when you compare yourself with someone else, then you're not seeing what creation has placed within you. And being teachable. You know, the key to wisdom really is to be teachable. To realize that you, you do not know everything. And that some of the things that you believe to be true may actually be false. So when one is teachable, they're all, they are also, they really, they recognize that there's so much to be learned by all of the people that you encounter. I love this. I, 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 um, I have uh, on occasion heard myself even say that, you know, and even if this is not true about how life really is, that, you know, whatever the idea was, uh, I would say that, that I don't mind because it has served me well in my lifetime. So <laughs> just remember that. Sometimes it's like that in life. Hmm. And then practicing kindness anonymously. You know, when we practice kindness, then we're moving beyond the anxiety of selfishness and we're able to experience the, the, the lasting fulfillment and a true sense of oneness with others. When you practice kindness anonymously, then you're sharing the vision of your kindness with creation without the distraction of pride and self-importance, which can be the outcome of being motivated to share your kindness publicly. And then loosening your expectations. So no matter how good you are at making plans or predicting outcomes, it doesn't matter how strong your belief is that something should be a certain way, you know, life will produce results that you do not expect or that you do not want or you do not like. But when one holds on to expectations, then one is more likely to become frustrated or disappointed or angry or humiliated when life doesn't match the expectation. So when one takes themselves and their expectations less seriously, then they can more easily handle whatever circumstances arise and then yield to these experiences that they're being guided to 
on their own unique life journey. And I know for myself, I, saw, I, I have a tendency to get caught in the act of taking myself too seriously. So that's certainly something that I need to pay attention to. You may want to ask yourself, what are the things that are good for you to pay attention to? You know, George Arliss suggests that humility is the only true wisdom by which we prepare our minds for all of the possible changes of life. And really, on a daily basis, we see other people taking advantage of situations in the name of trying to get ahead, or we hear about it in the news, or hear about it through large corporations, or other things that we may read. And, and often there is a motivation to make themselves look good or to amass large sums of money, or to have a great influence over the masses. So here, here's a few questions that you can openly ask yourself that can help you kind of gauge where you are currently with your own experience of humility and, and maybe also highlight some of those areas um, where it would be good for you to be more mindful. I suggest two actually for myself, one being um, spiritual humility and the other being when I uh, take myself far too seriously. So those are two areas in particular where I certainly need to be mindful. So really, just ask yourself, you know, if you take, do you take an opportunity to claim credit for things that you are involved in? Do you like to be right and prove what you know? Do you think that your job is more important than the next person, the person sitting next to you? Do you think you're smarter than others? And are you capable of managing things on your own without help from others? Or do you ever brag about the things that you know or the things that you can do? So those are really good things that we all, I would imagine, everyone from time to time gets involved with. And so those are good sort of guideposts along the way to help us really to come back into balance. So really, I encourage you to take some time to think about what being humble means to you and think about those questions for yourself and for the people in your life. And ask yourself, what is it about a humble attitude that you like and that you might want to cultivate? You know, generally speaking, a person that lives their life with humility often has these kind of character traits. They're calm, they're courteous, polite, subdued, and modest in their behavior and their attitudes. You know, a humble attitude's never pompous or proud or arrogant. And a humble person doesn't attempt to belittle others or make themselves look good in comparison. Humble people are easily liked and very approachable and so easy to get along with. And Mike King offers us some suggestions about how we can continue to cultivate the energy of humility while we focus on the activities of our daily life. You know, make sure you take every opportunity to thank others for what they do and for what they help you with. We all know that we don't accomplish anything on our own. 
It always takes help from others, so thank them for their help. It doesn't matter if it's your boss or your spouse or your friend or a stranger. Just thank people whenever you can. And then redirect praise. It's really a good practice in being humble and modest. You, know, you can redirect the praise to others who helped you or trained you or even allowed you to do something. And in that way, then you can, you, that you can pass on that praise to other people. And really, accepting praise doesn't really make a person less humble. But really downplaying the significance or importance can make you more humble. And certainly, knowing that you don't have to be right. A humble person never tries to outdo someone else and make themselves look better or smarter. And this includes having to be right. When you try to prove that you're right, or even when you say something simple like, I know, then you are showing kind of a, an attitude of dominance over the other person. So instead of wanting to be right, even if you know something, simply say, and you could say, oh, that's interesting, thanks for that. You know, a humble person knows for sure one thing, and that is that they're not always right. So if you have an idea to present or a solution to offer, don't try to convince others that it's the right solution. You could approach it just by saying you have a suggestion. And although you're not sure it's the right thing to do, you just wanted to offer the suggestion. And then, after you make the suggestion, just let go of the outcome. Let go of any ownership of the idea or any need to have your suggestion be the one that is used. And then just remember that it wasn't you who got yourself where you are necessarily all on your own. You know, people are always striving for success and they often feel very proud of themselves for getting to where they are. But humble people are not proud and know that they didn't get there on their own. They know that others helped them and encouraged them and assisted them to get where they are now. So if you recognize this and always see how others have helped you, then you can be more humble by sharing the fact and, and not taking credit for yourself, but thanking the players and passing that on then in turn that you could be a person that helps others to get where they're trying to go. And then really let go of the need to be first. It's not that it's a bad thing. But being first can come across as competitive or self-promoting or even demoting of others. None of these things are common for a humble person. So in a group or a workplace, if you're not the first to speak or participate or get involved, then you give others a chance to be first. You know, you may see that others have great ideas then that you wouldn't be capable of seeing if you were always the one going first. And then appreciate everything. You know, so much around us is not by our own doing, and sometimes we forget to see. We forget 
we get blinded by our own accomplishments. But really, to be humble, it's important to recognize and appreciate all the wonderful things around you. The place you live, your health, your wealth, your happiness, your experience, and the opportunities that you've been able to achieve. And appreciating things and knowing that you have so much to be thankful for can really build and, and adds greatly to a person's humility. You just need to look around in nature at the beauty of life and, and just take a few moments while thinking of the world and the magnificence, the magnificence of creation. It's not possible. It's not possible to not be humble. And show this kind of appreciation in your life and your spirit, because it will certainly help you be more humble. Then listen more than you speak. It can be very powerful. And you can use this to learn many things about other people. And then really, to let go of the need to judge other people. Judgment can really be a damaging activity. And it's not possible to be open-minded or receptive to ideas. It's not possible to be compassionate or empathetic or appreciative when you're judging. And we're all different. We have different ideas. And then when you judge, then you're implying that you're somehow an overseer or that you're in a position of power to make a judgment call, which is certainly not true of a humble person. So practice other, allowing others to show themselves over time and to let their ideas play out without judging them. And it's good, good for us really to be in the practice of making an effort, be mindful to, to refrain from talking about people behind their back. This is just another, another form of, of judgment. And being humble really is an effective trait of a leader. It's useful in developing your overall character. As a leader, when people see how you respond to others and that you don't try to overshadow them or dominate them, then they will really see you as far more approachable and much more likely to engage in teamwork or uh, partnership, which can certainly lead to a great many of positive things. You know, good leaders that express humility, they quickly, they can really quickly build rapport and build relationships. And people generally don't develop bad in first impressions of someone who is humble. And it's generally easier for a humble person to earn the respect of others. And I found this really sweet little story that was written by, a, by an unknown author. Very sweet. It goes like this. An elderly woman and her little grandson, whose face was sprinkled with bright freckles, spent the day at the zoo. And lots of children were waiting in line to get their cheeks painted by a local artist who was decorating them with tiger paws. You've got so many freckles, there's no place to paint a girl in the line said to the little fella. 
Embarrassed, the little boy dropped his head. His grandmother knelt down next to him. I love your freckles. When I was a little girl, I always wanted freckles, she said, while tracing her finger across the child's cheek. Freckles are beautiful. The boy looked up. Really? Of course, said the grandmother. Why, just name me one thing that's prettier than freckles. The little boy thought for a moment, and he peered intensely into his grandmother's face, and then he softly whispered, Wrinkles. <laughs> How sweet is that? The grandmother said, what, just name me one thing that's prettier than freckles. And the little boy responded by saying wrinkles. I just find that to be such a sweet little story. Sweet, sweet little story. And you know, at some point in your life, you will have experienced being humiliated. Like the little boy in the freckles story. And you know, we all know it's not a pleasant experience. And you'll remember it, you'll remember feeling vulnerable, unworthy, maybe even blushing or stammering, and wanting to really hide or just disappear. And sometimes the act of humiliation, even though it's painful, well, it may have helped you to come back to earth or come back to your senses in some way. And it may have been during a time when we were out there on the edge with our continuum, our balance of pride and humility kind of askewed. Or maybe the humiliation was completely unwarranted and more than likely you will have felt anger at being treated so unkindly. And for some people they may even have thought of ways that they could get back at the other person just as a way of protecting yourself in your mind. You know, but there's nothing to feel proud about in humiliation. It's much easier to vividly remember the act of humiliation that others have perpetrated against you. Yet it's really important to remember that we too have humiliated others. And perhaps it was unintentional. However, it still occurred. You know, we, we may have ignored someone who needed us. And at some point in life, we've all said hurtful things to a person, you know, when we were angry, maybe angry at ourselves, yet we took it out on someone else. And every person has been judgmental, and every person has been unkind. You know, the, world, the word humble is defined as having or showing a low uh, estimate of one's importance. Yet, in spiritual terms, the grace of humility is the counterbalance of pride. And in the book, Entering the Castle, The Inner Path to God and Your Soul, Carolyn Mace writes that humility allows you to recognize and acknowledge all of the positive qualities of body, mind, and spirit in another person. 
Humility disarms the competitive voice that whispers to you, there is not enough. What about you? You must be first. You need more. You deserve the reward, attention, the status, and the money, far more than the other person. And then she goes on to say that true humility is releasing the need to have to win, to have the last word, to always have your insecurities reinforced with endless support. And humility is really the ability to help someone who has injured you to say sorry, to not wait for years for the other person to apologize before you speak to him. And in this way, humility can be seen not as a weakness, but rather a great strength, for it takes courage to let go of the ego's fearful desire to be important in front of others. So here are a few suggestions from the book Entering the Castle and Inner Path to God and Your Soul. These suggestions are from Carolyn Mays. She says, do not be judgmental. Everyone, including you, is quick to make both positive and negative judgments of others and of the trials that God sends us. You never know the truth of what God has in mind. To judge anything at all is an error. Hmm. We hear that common phrase, an error in judgment. Hmm. And next, Carolyn says, never envy the experience of others, spiritually or otherwise, because envy reveals a lack of humility. By your actions and attitude, you are demanding to be given what is not rightfully yours. To envy the mystical experiences or the spiritual life or the calling of others hurts the soul. Envy, envy is a reptile. And then she says, everything good about you comes from God. Your talent, your skills, and all your abilities. Thus, you should not take credit. To fuel your ego shows a lack of wisdom. Control your ego. Be humble about your gifts so that you do not misuse them. And when you keep yourself focused and clear that God is truly the source of your gifts, your struggle with being pulled apart by either praise or criticism will cease. And the other thing that I have found with the whole idea of gifts and abilities and talents, I've often heard over the years people, you know, um, 
uh, listing their their gifts and abilities and talents or saying, oh, I someone told me that I have this, this, and this, or I went and had a reading and someone said I'm very gifted or I'm this and that and the other. And one of the things that, that I came to appreciate myself uh, as a person who is gifted like the rest of us is that really the first step is identifying what the gifts are. And that the real journey is about learning to develop, to cultivate, and to develop the skills and the abilities and the talents and the gifts and find ways that we can take those gifts and and then have them expressed in our life and in the world in a way that they contribute to the whole of everyone. Because really... That's what our gifts are for. They're for sharing, for learning to walk in responsibility of the gifts. So that's certainly been a part of my uh, a part of my life path. And then Carolyn goes on to say, "Remain humble. Do not look for praise. When someone praises you for your gifts, do not let the energy of that praise." penetrate your ego or your mind. It will fuel your insecurities rather than support your soul. And you will begin to think, what if I lose this talent? Or what if I fail? You will begin to torment yourself with thoughts of how others are judging your actions. You will create goals for yourself instead of listening to inner instructions and guidance for how you are supposed to use your gifts. Soon your gifts will fall under the control of others as you will fall prey to their judgments of you and then lose sight of your trust in God. So that's really good encouragement from Carolyn to appreciate the importance of remaining humble with our gifts and listening inside for that voice in the universe of how it is that we can contribute and share our gifts to make good things in the world and become the best versions, the very best possible versions of ourselves. And then Carolyn says that develop a special appreciation of those who criticize you. Do not resent them. They are your allies. Look on them as sacred adversaries in action in your life. They are more helpful than those who praise you because they support your humbleness. They have a true spiritual role in your life. To resent those who criticize you is to forget that you have also criticized others. So remember to use your soul's ability to illuminate your shadows so that you can see clearly through seemingly negative events Always beyond the darkness, God's great plan is in motion. And that is the truth that you need to trust 
It is a truth reached through prayer and the security of humility. So really, pay attention when someone criticizes you. Pay attention to understand that they're there as a gift and a teacher for you. And consider the content of what they're saying. And let it serve you in a way of helping you to gauge where you are in your own balance. Where are you in your balance of pride and humility? Where are you in your balance of being open and open-minded? So in that way, really, the way that others criticize you or being criticized by others can be a great service. And as Carolyn reminds us, that you can see those people as uh, playing a great role, a true spiritual role in your life. Look to see, do their comments have merit? And then just as we finish up our time together today, there's another little story that was posted by Frederick and Marianne Broussat about a man who asked his rabbi why people couldn't see the face of God and what had happened that they could no longer reach high enough to see God. You know, the rabbi was a very old man and he had experienced a lot in his life and he was very wise. And he responds by saying, my son, that is not the way that it is at all. You cannot see the face of God because there are so few who can stoop that low. How sad it is, but it is truth. Learn to bend, to bow, to kneel, and stoop, and you will be able to see God face to face. You know, the story reminds me of the saying, the door of the kingdom of God is exactly as high as you are when you walk on your knees. If you are standing tall, full of pride, you can't get through. So as the stray of the rabbi goes, learn to bend and to bow and to kneel and stoop, and then you will be able to see God face to face. You know, walk lightly upon the earth, because the words humility and human both come from humus, or earth. And with humility, we accept our place as one among many others. And when we recognize that we are no more important than those others, then we take no more than our small share. We approach even the most menial tasks joyfully, and we accept that we are only here to be of service to God's great creation. I thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda-Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to 
relax and enjoy your life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.